We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is Jeff Erickson from the Rotowire Fancy Bo- uh, Fancy Baseball Podcast. All right, off to a flying start here. Uh, brought to you by the folks at uh, WinBet. Today, we're going to be talking relievers, a lot of relievers, with Aaron Pagliaro. Did I get it right? Is it Pagliaro or Pagliaro? Oh, yeah, you nailed it. Pagliaro, right off the bat. Pagliaro, all right. From Reliever Recon and the Fancy Black Book, uh, we're going to be uh, talking uh, TGFBI, what happens when you don't get a close in the first 10 rounds, and a whole lot more here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Aaron Pagliaro. Uh, Aaron, you do a lot of reliever work. Uh, in fact, I did, jumped on your podcast once to talk about that as well. Uh, I don't have a closer through 10 rounds of TGFBI. Wasn't the plan necessarily, but as I got through it, I kind of steered into it and it, I'm kind of going without a net. I haven't done a single, uh, every one of my uh, draft and holds has been completely different than my TGFBI drafts, which is kind of weird. Um, the one thing I've learned about covering after covering relief pitchers for the last three seasons is that context matters with this position much more than any other position in fantasy yep. baseball for sure. And so uh, I wouldn't be worried if I were you, if you don't have a reliever yet um, through nine, 10 rounds of your TGFBI, um, only 30 rounds in the draft, plenty of saves will be on your waiver wire. You'll, you know, uh, we know closers turn over, and right. um, the idea that you can make moves in season uh, makes a huge difference when it comes to this position. Right. And I'm, it's not like I'm going to punt closers. It's, it's an overall contest. I am going to get saves. I'm going to be at a little bit of a, uh, and I can't trade like I do in labor uh, or in tout or someone you know, like we do in our home league. So I'm going to have to hustle. I'm going to draft guys that are relievers that theoretically will be standing on the mound in the ninth inning. So uh, we'll be going with that. I did notice though, you didn't go with too many of the brand name closers in your first 10 rounds of your draft either in TGFBI. Yeah, I um, I played chicken and I may have gotten a little bit burned if you if you take yeah. our at reliever recon our strategy of let's get an anchor and then build from there. Um, I kind of uh, you know my board played out kind of weird. Uh, Hendricks and Hader chased off the board pretty quickly. And then there was kind of this lull and it lulled me to sleep. And I thought, okay, I watched Iglesias and Presley and Classe and kind of that next tier of guys just kind of trickle off the board. And I thought, oh, hmm, great. 
I'm going to circle Kenley Jansen as the guy that I want later on. And they, and the, the next group of closers really didn't go as quickly Chapman and Smith and Romano and Gallegos and those types of guys, they hung around for so long. And I said, okay, I'm drafting from the 15 slot. So I really have to make a decision every time my, my turn comes up in this draft, whether I'm going to, yeah, whether I'm going to make the move or not, you know, pooper get off the pot here with with relief pitches and every every pick at at the 15 spot so um i played some chicken and i lost that game kenley didn't make it back to me after i passed on him in round six which is kind of where i i targeted him and once i once i lost kenley off that off of my board i didn't see much of a difference from the next group but we can we can talk about individual bullpens heading forward and so when uh when when Corey kniebel was there he was just fine you know, it was just fine to take as my as my mm. RP one, and I'll be working just as hard as you, uh, despite drafting a closer here at round eight. Yeah, so you got Knable in round eight. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. I've seen a pretty wide range on Knable. I've seen him as early as where you got him. I've seen him as late as like the one sixties, one seventies. So it kind of de- all politics are local. Honestly, in my league, closers got pushed down a little bit, uh, not at the top. Uh, you know, Hader and Hendricks win the second round, like as they do, and. Well, every in every draft and hold, they do that. And I think in most overall contests, they do that too. Although maybe not as much once we get to the main. We'll see. I think once the main event rolls around for the NFBC, aces will be pushed up uh, just a little bit more. And I think that'll be an issue. Stolen base, the, the high power speed guys also get pushed up a little bit too. I've noticed that in my draft uh, that in the first round, for instance, uh, I got Otani at 113. I was debating, but, uh, that's only after Acuna, Tucker, Albies and Luis Robert all went nine through 12. Uh, so that kind of was like, okay, well, it's either he or Mookie, or I might get shut out on those guys. I'm, am I okay with that? And I decided I wasn't. I still got Burns in the second, which was pretty weird and happy and all, all good. Uh, but, uh, you know, tough decisions were made here and there, including passing on Rizel Glacius in the fourth. I, I could have gone that route. I could have gone Presley or Diaz in the fifth. And that's the one I think that was the inflection point for me. Uh, I had a chance, like I said, closers went a little lower in my, my draft. I could have taken Chapman in the six. I have reservations about Chapman and we can talk about the individual specifics, but uh, in a sec, but in every little step, I was kind of like knowing that I'm passing it up, but man, I just felt like there was all this other value to take. And I just wanted to keep taking those values. Uh, I understand at some point you still have to get your saves and you're going to give up value then too. But I just think you're giving it more value in the top 10 rounds. Typically, I go with your thing. I like getting the bullpen ace. I like getting one bullpen anchor. Yeah, and uh, I'm if I was in your, I'm you know uh, I can look at your draft board now and say, great, I would pull the trigger on Presley right there immediately. Um, of course, I can say that, but you know that was when what I, I was yeah. going to go with over Diaz, by the way. Uh, yeah, and and Presley is kind of my he's my guy that I've kind of circled as uh, my uh, you know leagues where I can make moves, my waiver wire leagues, my fab leagues, um, any league that I can kind of. Uh, you know, obviously adjust my team throughout the season. I don't, I'm not going to go up into the twenties to get Hader and Hendricks. I'll just wait until the fifties to get a guy like Presley, you know, who over the last two seasons had a K minus walk of 26.4. Um, he's basically Rizel Iglesias just didn't get the saves last year because the Astros won too many games by too many runs. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I love Presley. I traded for him in XFL. I, I, that is, that's the one where, and who knows, maybe Springer would have come back to me. So I do not like the cone of shame. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it is a, 
I will say this: an overall contest different isn't necessarily bad. Having a different build is okay at times. Um, you don't want to be different for the sake of being different, but if I'm a little off cycle of everybody else later on in the draft, and it allows me to pluck some bargains on some of these mid-tier guys with the appropriate risk added, you know, of course, with that caveat, um, we can, you know, maybe, maybe it could work out. So we'll see. Uh, I, I figure at 13, you got to take a few other chances along the way too. Yeah. Once you, I mean, once you get going down the board, uh, you can either fall victim to the uh, ADP or the default rankings on the site, which, uh, you know, a certain number of drafters in, in each league will do uh, something that I, that we preach all the time is kind of look at those default rankings and see, you know, Corey Kniebel buried on, on, for some reason on the TGFBI default rankings, he's way down in like the one forties. He's, he's in the one he's being drafted the last month or so uh, over on the DC side on the NFBC in the DCs in the one twenties. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how Kniebel became my fallback option because I knew that, you know, uh, you'd have to do a little bit of work and kind of scroll down. Right. Um, yeah. Scroll down to find him. Well, he's more buried than you think he's 166. Okay. There actually you go. Yeah, in the default down. rankings and not that I've noticed or been paying attention or sweating it or anything like that. But, uh, again, I had a chance. I could have taken him instead of, instead of Shane Baz, but our boss, but I like Shane Boz and, uh, that was my third pitcher. So, you know, Gotta, you, you gotta make your choices here and there. And if he doesn't make it back to me, then we'll be, we'll, we'll see. I probably shouldn't have kind of announced that to. The, we'll the set you up. We'll set you up for some other options here too. All right, good, good, good. Because I'm going to need that help, and I know that probably nobody in the league is listening anyhow. Because right, guy, right, guys, you're not listening, right? Definitely All right, not. Please, please not. Uh, let's talk about the closer pool, though. Let's talk about the the top tiers first. Uh, we got the obvious top two: Hendricks or Hader. If you were to go for one of the two uh, and pay that premium price, which one? It's Hendricks for me because of the his ability to pitch multiple innings or you know multiple more than three outs, and when that that adds up throughout the course of the season, when you're talking about a guy who's going to get you you know twelve, ten to twelve more innings pitched than 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 Hader, um, just because he you know he those they have the same similar strike at similar k percentages similar k rates so you you get the innings you know we look at starting pitchers and we see the difference between 150 innings and 180 innings sometimes the relief with the relief pitchers you need to take a look at smaller bunches of innings and whether that be 10 or 12 innings that could really make a difference throughout the course of the season if you continue to put these guys who are pitching more innings um uh, in your lineups every week it adds yeah. up in the end. It adds up at the end of the season. I mean, both pitchers are great. Hader hasn't thrown uh, a game where he's had more than four outs uh, in an appearance since uh, 2019, August 31st, 2019. So it's been a while since Hader's gone longer in games. Which is pretty wild because he used to be a multi-inning guy, and he's gone. He's all. He's gone full Eckersley on us now. It's one inning and one inning only. Uh, and you know, I'm only going to pitch in save situations if I can help it, which still I, I get the saves at least, but would like and more we, innings. And yeah. In and we know, La, and we know Larusa just kind of puts a guy in and falls asleep in the dugout. You know, he does that mm-hmm. with his starters. He does that with his relievers too. So uh, yeah. no, no limits to how many pitches you can throw with Tony Larusa in the dugout. This is true. Absolutely. All right. Next here, uh, is Iglesias clear closer three for you? Yes. Um, uh, I, I know that there's a lot of talk about class A and uh, maybe gaining a little bit in his um, in, in his K profile that maybe there's a little bit more there. Um, in 20 in 2021, uh, Class A actually had the lowest K rate, 26.5 percent of any pitcher who had a swinging strike rate greater than 16.5. So he was the worst 
at having that skill set of swings and misses when it comes to K rate. So you think, hey, he's gonna he's gonna gain on those Ks going forward. But if you looked a little bit deeper, he wasn't getting the called strikes. So he wasn't he wasn't commanding his pitches. And so if you're not getting the called strikes, the swinging strikes aren't happening with with two strikes more often than or as often as the other folks who can who can command those pitches and get ahead in the counts. So yeah. uh, I don't see as big of a jump as everyone else is predicting for Class A. Uh, and Iglesias has already proved it. You know, um, I know we don't want to mention James Karinchek. I know Nate Markham's listening to the show and, and he was all in. <laughs> yeah, Nate, my my uh, podcast co-host, he was all in on Karinchek last year. And Karinchek has those skills. He's he's the, he is the strikeout weapon. Um, and Class A is more of the, uh, you know, the guy who's done it now. So I, I think there's um, less st- less stability in Class A and fewer strikeouts. And that's enough to put. Iglesias clearly ahead of him for me. I'm in the same uh, Raz Slam league as Nate. So, okay. uh, but obviously it's a best ball, it's points. So you don't absolutely have to have closers. So he didn't invest in closers at the higher end too much there. So uh, it, I, was, I, I was scrambling to check his board when you mentioned him. So I was like, okay, what does he think here? But we're also kind of deep into this one now. So um, is there a top one or two, first or second tier closer that you do not want? Um. I mean, outside of Class A, because because of the Ks, uh, I, and I think uh, do you do you count? Let's see who you count. Who do you where, where does where does that tier end for you? Does it end at Chapman or does it end at Presley Diaz? It ends at Will Smith for me. Actually. Oh, it ends at Will Smith. Okay, so we're we're going way down the board here. Then 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 it's Chap then it's Chapman for me. Yeah, it's um, definitely Chapman for me too. Yeah, I think um, there is something to be said, and we talked about this uh, last night on our podcast that um, the the shortened season now that we have are going to have a shortened season, a condensed version of, of 162 games, some, some smaller version um, is going to raise the stakes for a lot of teams. And uh, the number of playoff teams is also going to have an impact here. So if they don't, if we don't add playoff teams and we have a shortened season, these relief pitchers who are on the last year of their contracts, like Araldis Chapman could be moved. If those, if their teams struggle in a short and condensed season, the Yankees have already done this with Chapman, right? So we already know that they, that they're not afraid to move him um, and move on. And Jonathan Loizaga and guys like that in their bullpen are at this point, uh, steadier pitchers on the mound, throw, throw more strikes. Uh, Chapman's kind of was all over the place. He had such a, an incredibly roller coaster of a season last year, right. just really good at the beginning. Absolutely horrific for a stretch. And then kind of finish it off with a pretty good, pretty good finish to the year. So uh, if it's if it's anyone, it's Chapman because one of his pending free agency and the Yankees, you know, in a tough division where they might be out of it in a 120 game season or something. I don't want to I don't want to wish that on us, but um, you know, we have to start thinking about these condensed seasons and, and free yep. agency and the number of playoff teams that are going to make you know the number of teams that are going to make the playoffs and factor that into relief pitching as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, it's the walks for me. I just I can't stand a pitcher, a, a closer especially, that walks the world. And I just see that creeping up. He still throws stupid hard, but it's less stupid hard than it used to be. So, you know, everybody, everything's relative, uh, even even with him. I, I just I, – I'm uncomfortable with where he goes. I Like I said, I had a chance at 6-3 to take him, which would have been late. But he went all the way to seven twelve. He went one spot before me in the seventh. Everybody was uncomfortable with him. It seemed like, uh, so I, I just didn't want to go that route. I'm glad I didn't get put to that test because I don't think I would have let him go past seven thirteen though. Even even with that, 
Uh, but it, that was tough. Yeah, at some point, at some point, you have to say he's uh, stable in his role to at least start the season. Right. And there's yeah, and there aren't many guys that you can say that about once you get past him. That's right. Uh, after Chapman, after Will Smith, Will Smith actually went before Chapman in our league. Uh, no, that's not, that's a lie. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. It was true. I was right the first time. Uh, after that, there's not too many guys with jobs right there. I mean, there's Mark Melanson, who we know has the job. Uh, but there's Craig Kimbrell that usually goes in that range. Giovanni Gallegos, who we think has the job, but we don't know if he has the job. Uh, and, and then there's a whole lot of, uh, then we'll start getting into like guys like uh, Knable, uh, and a few others, but let's talk specifically about Gallegos. Cause I think he's a very interesting pitcher this year. I took him in labor, but it was my second closer, not my first, uh, passed on him in the eighth round here, kind of a continuing theme in TGFBI for me. I like, he's like right on the tip of guys I'm considering, but there's someone I liked a little bit more, uh, at a different position, but I love his skills. I love that there's a new manager. So I think that probably helps him a little bit, but yet it's not like they've announced that he's closing. Yeah, it's not like they've announced that he's closing. It's not like the guys who were slated to be the back end of their bullpen have gone anywhere. Alex Reyes, Jordan Hicks, the guys that everyone was on, uh, you know, last season. Um, and Reyes, who had, you know, he walks the world, of course. And so we use some of those guys yeah. you talk about that you just can't watch pitch. But I will say this. When we talk about uh, Giovanni Gallegos over at Reliever Recon, we, we, be, we are sure to mention that the Cardinals will not win 20 games in a row every single month. And so when you, yeah, I mean, and when you look at his inflated uh, save total in September, 11 saves that you cannot expect that. And, and I watched, I made, I made an effort to watch uh, Gallegos September over again this winter. And there were many, there were numerous times where his fastball was not getting swings and misses on right handers. I think his, I think his four seam fastball was something like a, a whiff rate of like 8% somewhere down there. Wow. And yeah. And that, that's, that's troubling. When, you know, when he's, when you're just a two pitch guy, when you're, when you're a fastball and you're a slider and you can't, and you can't get anything going with the fastball, that's trouble. And he got himself into some jams. Uh, There were times when, when Alex Reyes was up in the pen, Um, you know, Greg's closer charts over at reliever recon are notorious for noticing these things that just go unnoticed. If you just look, checking box scores or reading, you know, recaps of games, uh, you know, Greg's always on top of these things. Yeah. You know, he's he's worth the the, the subscription to to our Patreon, of course. Um, but you know, you you go back and you watch, and and I know they have a new manager in town, but um, I don't think that they're and they could still bring someone in. You know, they're still linked to Ryan Tapera. Uh, there's a lot going on um, in St. Louis, and um, when your GM comes out and says that uh, you're going to be in the mix for the role, that's not exactly the most uh, you know confidence inspiring. That's not the, the vote of confidence that you're looking for there. You you want that firm declaration. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely our guy in the ninth. That's what you want. Um, that That's happening fewer and farther between with all teams now these days, it seems like. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty tricky there. We're going to continue going through the closer pool and what happens when you get shot out of the top uh, layers here. But before we do that, a uh, quick note from our sponsors at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's Fancy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. 
Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today. Make a qualifying deposit and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Aaron Pagliaro. Uh, you can catch him on Reliever Recon. You can catch him on the Black Book, in the Black Book, and on Metsmerized as well. It's lots of places. Also, uh, Fantasy Pros. He does a lot of good work. Uh, so how do you manage your time? How do you uh, just juggle all these? And plus, I imagine you have a real job too, right? Yeah, I'm an ER nurse, so uh, interesting, right? I, I, it actually works out pretty well. Working 12-hour shifts, uh, it's nice to have a, a Thursday off in March, right? Like nobody else right, has, right. nobody else has, and, and the kids are in daycare. I've got two little ones, two little boys, three and okay. three and one years old. So they're, you know, they're in daycare. My wife's at work, and there's plenty of peaceful time, kind of just here in the spare room, uh, grinding out relief pitching uh, profiles and things like that. Well, there you go. That's cool. I mean, yeah, it's. That's a different career. It's like one where you have to just be on, I imagine, for that whole 12 hour shift and then decompress for a day and then have some time to write. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the, been the been the plan for the last three years. So, OK, very cool. Very cool. You're just starting off on the, the journey with kids. Just wait till they start doing things. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. They, they say you blink and your kids are grown up. I've been blinking nonstop for three years. <laughs> My kids are still so little. Yeah. Well, trust me, it, uh, it, I'm staring at that empty nest train now. My girls are 17 and 15. So oh, I'm on the opposite side of that. You made here. it. You made it. So far. Yeah. So far, so good. Uh, they're, they're great kids. Let's talk more closers. Uh, this is a bullpen cast. So let's, what happens when you get shut out of these top tier closers? You've, we've mentioned Corey Knable, so we won't enable Knable anymore. Uh, let's talk about some of the other guys that you're looking at here. Mark Melanson versus Craig Kimbrell. Who are you taking a chance on first? Yeah, uh, that one that one hits me really hard in the gut because I never want to recommend Mark Melanson as a no. closer. And um, I think again, context matters in all of these in all of these situations. So if, if you're drafting in uh, your home league, I think that you have a much better chance of taking the shot that K Craig Kimbrell gets moved and the upside on Kimbrell. And uh, because if he doesn't, and he's hanging out still in the White Sox eighth inning and not pitching well, um, you know, there's going to be uh, an Ian Kennedy or the, one of those types of guys that you can uh, slide into your roster and replace him with. So if you're playing in, in one of those types of leagues, now if you're playing in a more competitive league, a big uh, high stakes league or something like that, man, I hate to say it, but I think having Mark Melanson safety in his job, if he's your second reliever with 15 to 18 saves, you could do much. I mean, you could do much worse. You could look look down this list and look at a bunch of guys who are going to be like either total booms or total busts, similar to to Craig right. Kimbrell, like the Matt Barneses of the world, or the you know the Joe Barlows, the the uh, Dylan Floros, like these types of guys who, you know, it gets gross really. It fast. gets really gross really fast, and 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 you know sometimes uh, the when the four walks in when the four walks in the room first and then the two walks in behind them the four turns into an eight and I think Mark Melanson just kind of you know does that when you when you look right. at what's behind him absolutely uh, and that that's always an issue there uh, next either or I'm going to throw at you here and and you can even so, also say neither I'll get you I'll, I'll grant okay. you that too especially for the price uh, Camilo Duvall for the Giants or Scott Barlow for the the Royals. 171 and 176 respectively in 80 pieces February 1st. 
Okay, so I get to choose between the Kansas City Shuffle and the guy with a very small uh, 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 track record at, at in, even even in baseball. I mean, he's only faced like 108 hitters. His first 50 hitter, uh, Camilo DeBall, we're talking about his right. first 50 hitters. He was abysmal. He got he got rocked around the park. He didn't throw any strikes. They sent they they optioned him down. Yep. Went down to the minors, came back, uh, started to rely on his slider a little more. Had great success the last bit of the season but we're still only talking about 58 batters in that in that stretch so you know hitters didn't have time to adjust to that slider yet uh we know that he doesn't throw enough strikes and um you know there's no secret if you've ever listened if anyone's ever listened to uh, the reliever recon podcast that i am going to have jake mcgee on every single one of my fantasy baseball teams and so i don't think that puts me out on Duvall. Uh, but I think that um, I, I I can find a way to get Duvall if if he were if he were to fall I can find a way to take that upside shot but uh, and pair him with McGee and just wrap that that situation up. But that being said, I'm not taking Duvall if he's there next to Barlow and I've missed it all. I know that Kansas City has a ton of upside arms, you know, Brents and Stalmont and you know uh, Matheny basically basically says every single series. My closer is going to be different based on matchup. So it's a series to series thing. Uh, but I do think Scott Barlow has uh, all the skills that you're looking for. If you know, because we saw it last season when no one was healthy in the Kansas city bullpen down the stretch and Scott Barlow was the last man standing. He, he excelled in that role. And so I don't know that, uh, you know, the health of everyone's arms is always up in the air. And so um, if you're, if you're asking me between Duvall and Barlow straight up in that situation. I'm going to take Barlow because I know that he's assured for probably 12. He's in the teens. I would say he's in the teens and saves for sure. Yeah. And I like how he was used down the stretch too. I mean, it went from less of a committee to more Barlow as the guy, like the last six weeks of the season. Now we can get bogged down in September stats like anybody else, but you know, he did have the job. In fact, if your name was Barlow, you had the job in September. So that that was pretty good. But we'll see. We'll get to the other one in a second here. Uh, Blake Trinan uh, in that grouping, too. Let's throw him here. He, he's pretty much in that same area as far as uh, ADP goes. I mean, it, it's all about Kenley Jansen, right? I mean, if, if Kenley resigns with the Dodgers, Trinan goes back to, you know, pick 400 almost. Uh, but if Kenley's gone, Trinan's a top 10 closer. Yeah. I think he's a top 10. We think he's yeah. a top 10 closer. Um, I think that he excelled so well in a high leverage, kind of a, that that stopper high leverage role for Dave Roberts last year. Um, Any time, you know, it didn't matter. Uh, man, man, on, man on base, uh, need to strand a runner, uh, get get the swing and miss. Trinan did it all for Dave Roberts. So, you know, that probably gives him a leg up on the rest of the competition. But if Kenley were to sign with someone else like a Texas or – let's you know i don't know miami or or one of those types of places where the closer situation uh don't rule out the dodgers to go out and spend some money on a guy who has closing experience and try them out in front of trying in anyway so uh, for me i'm avoiding trying in at his cost because i think there's just too many moving parts um and too too much on the line for for los angeles to not bring you know they, they let they watch all these other guys walk away the seegers the scherzers they have the money to spend and so right. I, you know i if Kenley, if Kenley's all about the money, he'll take a two-year short deal with a high AAV versus the that three or four-year deal that he would get in Texas. Yeah, the the, the complicating factor here though is the new, the CBA. I mean, from what we've seen with the competitive balance tax proposals, I mean, it's 
60% right away, you know, 75%, 100% plus perhaps draft pick penalties. Although I heard at one point they agreed to strike those, but you never know now that there's everything's off the table again, you know, they may not have as much money to spend as we think, uh, but we'll see about that. As a Mets fan, I never thought that I would be concerned about where the luxury tax was because we always knew that the Wilpons would stay under it. Right. right. Yeah. They, they never, they never, we never considered going over, over the tax. So now, but now we're, you know, we've already flown by the tax, the, the number that's set for like 2030. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as you should, as a New York franchise, that's when right. your owner is a several times over billionaire, um, absolutely. You should do that. Uh, you just, it's the other penalties that kind of suck the draft pick penalties, things of that nature, where I think that's actually more limiting sometimes in the financial cost, depending on which team it is. You know, obviously, you know, you know the, the pirates, Bob, Bob Nuttig is probably, you know, like, Ooh, I have to spend over, you know, I spend more than $1 more than I have to there. He, he gets, goes crazy. But anyways, uh, I, I think that that's going to be, I, I tend to agree with you on trying to, plus they have other good arms in that pen, like Gratterall. I mean, he's quietly sneaky, really good. I think and we had, jo- we had Joel Pinheiro ex major league pitcher on our uh, podcast earlier this uh, in this off season. And Joel said, if there's anyone who, um, you know, come is uh, of uh, Puerto Rican descent or, or Latin descent that could really make a leap at, at, at the relief pitcher position this year, he highlighted Gratterall as that guy. So, okay, cool. Know, so yeah, you're, well, in good, I- you're in good company. Certainly Bruce R. Gratterall. Uh, he's been a dart throw for me in my DCs. I get him often fairly late, like in the forties. You know, I just, I like the stuff. Now I may never get to use him, or he could become like Chad green or he could become one of those guys. And when you have bad starts or you have injuries, that's, you know, God forbid we actually have injuries that that never happens. Uh, teams don't use the DL liberally or anything anymore, but uh yeah, it's definitely going to be a case there where he can be useful too. So I'm glad you brought up. Healthy. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Chad Green because that that takes me to a, a different point. And we're at this point in the draft now where we're we're talking about guys who are super questionable. And uh, Alex Fast, a pitcher list, um, has we've talked to Alex about relief pitching a bunch of times, and he writes mm-hmm. every year that we're drafting relief pitching wrong. We're drafting relief pitching, uh, looking at last year's save totals, looking at the guy who finished the job in September when we know. When we know every year that this position is is in turmoil from the from day one most of the time, uh, but but even so, once 60, 60 games go by, you know closers are flopping at like a thirty percent rate, and so um, a, a newer I don't even want to call it a newer strategy because this has been a strategy that that all of the experts have talked about for years about trying to get these middle not even middle relief but these guys who go extended innings out of the bullpen and can vulture wins and now these guys are getting saves too so they weren't they're not just guys who can vulture some wins for you but you know a chad green with seven saves and 10 wins or something last year right is that is that i think that's one of the yep. stat line of paul yep. and 100 and 100 strikeouts and, too. And 100 strikeouts a paul seawald in a you know a kind of a muddy mess in in seattle you know he could, he get, they play a lot of close games. He could get eight wins. He could get 13 saves and eight wins and, a, and 95 strikeouts. Man, I want that guy in my lineup every week. Devin and, Williams is another one. Yeah. I mean, exactly. In the, in the 2020 season, I was targeting those guys just because, you know, at less time to ramp up, you figure pitchers aren't going to go as deep. You might have some double headers. So I, it was the Seth Lugo strategy for me. That was the guy I was targeting in almost all my dress. And it worked out. He got like a win on opening day. And I was like, yeah, look at this guy here. But he was just okay after that. But the, the strategy actually, I think, had some merit to it there. 
Joe Sheehan does that in labor. He is, he, he won't pay sticker price for closers. He goes for guys with good skills period. And, you know, I think that's served him well in some leagues before. Uh, the problem is when you're playing in an overall like this, you've got to get the saves. Um, so, but, and, and the other, the other problem is, you know, talked about Chad Green and all those things he accomplished. You had to have him active every week, pretty much. You, you can't time the market with those guys. You have to just come what comes, may, what may come, may come. But uh, if you do have him active, yeah, there's a lot of loot. Yeah, we have, uh, we are. Uh... Uh, bullpen guru at bullpen guru on Twitter. Uh, he is he's one of our guys over at reliever recon, and he is uh renowned for um first reliever out of the pen, the fruits, and then also these um uh these the strategy. I think I'm pretty sure Jeff Zimmerman does this. He looks for the guys who didn't pitch on the weekend and then he pick, he snags them up with his fab and he puts them in his lineup because he knows they're you know the column accused, these types of guys who he can plug into his lineup rather than streaming the fourth or fifth starter for the nationals. Who's going to get two starts and blow up all your ratios. You, yep. You've got a better chance of stealing a win from Colin McHugh that week. And you know that, you know, even if he has a bad outing, it's, it's only going to be one inning pitch bad outing. And it's got very little chance of, of really disrupting your, your ratios throughout the year. So this, this strategy is something that I know um, that bullpen guru over at, over with us at unreliever recon is really honed in on. He has a streaming relief pitcher every, every day. And like it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an, it's an excellent resource. So, um, yeah, I'm, for closers, pitch two days in a reliever row. recon or anything, but yeah, I think no, we've got some good stuff there. Well, that's why you're on. You get to talk about your work. I want you to talk about your work. It's good. Um, you know, and Hey, people pay for good content and you know, we don't have a, the stranglehold on all the good content. Lots of people are doing good work in our, in our space. So um, show all you want. It's all good. Um, I, I like the streaming idea. Uh, I really do. Um, especially you start, you know, no team uses a closer, almost no team uses a closer three days in a row, knowing who the next in line is, knowing if that's the next in line is pitched two or three days in a row is also important. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to really know, you know, some teams that, you know, that only go too deep. Others are like five or six deep and you have to be aware of who those guys are. The Rays can pull guys out of their hat left and right. So can the Mariners right now, especially if Giles is healthy. Uh, we'll see about that. Let's let's talk about those two teams in particular because they're going to win games. They have really good relievers. But if you're trying to count on that one guy, it could be endlessly frustrating. Uh, are you getting any of those like Kittredge or Giles or Seawald or Steckenrider even at cost? Yeah, I've circled Paul Seawald as the guy that I that I have. I think his swing and miss skills are elite are elite level. And if he should fall into a situation where Seattle trusts him, um, we know we we know the uh, these other guys, right? We've seen Steckenrider uh, kind of uh, middle around the league for a little while and then kind of pop up as the closer down the stretch here for Seattle. We've watched yeah. Giles, yeah, we've watched Giles before. He was a, he was a pretty good. Uh, closer, but he's had his injury his injury concerns. Um, you know, so I think if there's one person that stands out from all from those two bullpens combined, for me it's Seawall just because of the swing and miss stuff and that upside. Um, because they trust him, you know, they trusted him last year. Again, this is that first reliever out of the pen. This this in a tie game, uh, in a tight situation, Paul Seawall is going to be on the mound for Seattle. We already know that he might not be in the ninth inning, but um, he's the he is the quintessential target for when you're trying to, to do something different at the closer position. You know what? Giles and Seawalt are back-to-back -back in terms of pitchers and NFPC uh, ADP since February 1st. 124-125 uh, among pitchers. Giles goes slightly ahead. Uh, the thing about Giles is, 
we don't know how healthy he's going to be. We don't know when he's going to pitch. However, if a he's fully healthy uh, and like at full capacity, I think B he's going to get closing opportunities because I don't think he can handle other roles necessarily. I don't think he's got the rubber arm to pitch the seventh inning one day, the ninth inning the next, or pitch two innings at a time, whereas Seawald has that flexibility. Steckenreiter, to a lesser extent, also has that flexibility. Plus, they got Diego Castillo, too, who's a good pitcher, too. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, when you have when you have four guys and only one of them has really that clean inning, that clean inning kind of mentality, that 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 Giles mentality that does that that should weigh into your decision at least a little bit. For me, it's the injury. It's the injury concern sure. over anything. Um, but and I may get and I may get burned here with Seawall pitching a bunch of meaningless innings, you know, um, because Seattle's doesn't have as good of a run as they did last season or something like that. That, that, that really could turn around to bite me, but if it does, it's, it's at pick two at 280 or wherever yeah, he's at on, right. on the board. Plus, you know, he seems like a good guy. I remember uh, him responding to Mikey Ayeto, uh, uh, you know, some positive things when he saw the Seawald stand account uh, title and all that. And uh, so that was really cool. Um, so it seems like someone I want to root for there. Uh, okay, so other guys we're missing out on. I, I'm gonna instead of doing either or, I'm gonna throw it to you. I want you to just. Do I was gonna flip it on me. you. I was gonna flip it on you. Darn it! Because because <laughs> you're the one. You're, right? Because you're you're looking you're looking now at how how are you going to address saves in TGFBI? Yes, so, I am. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm gonna flip it on you. Where where do you stand on your Cincinnati Reds bullpen? Is Lucas Sims going to be the alpha guy, and is he going to get enough? Uh, opportunities to prove that he is the, he is their closer. Alpha. I am not alpha. No. Uh, I like Lucas Sims. I think he's got good skills when he came back, when he was fully healthy, he looked like an alpha guy. Uh, he wasn't being used in that role a whole lot. Uh, and that's part of the big problem is usage. David Bell. Uh, I don't think he necessarily seeks to have a committee. I just think he's got a hair trigger. I think he sees one thing go wrong mid inning yank you're out. Uh, and I think to the detriment of the Reds and to these pitchers, I think that was part of the wh- reason why Sims got hurt because he was up and down a lot early on. He was in some stressful situations. I remember the Arizona series, home Arizona series. And I think it was in June uh, Sims came in, I think it was third day in a row. He was pitching, gave up, you know, they, they, there were some defensive issues ultimately gave up a grand slam, I think. And he went on the DL like a few days later, but he was getting taxed. TJ Antone got taxed. We won't have Antone this year. It really drives me crazy about that. Uh, I think Amir Garrett suffered under his use, the way he was being managed, too. Uh, I think Sims is the most likely to get saves in that bullpen. I don't think they're done building their bullpen. I think that that's the one thing they might add to when when the lockout ends, because there are relievers hanging around uh, that you can that they will add. Uh, I think they're good at identifying talent. Uh, but I, I worry a little bit about usage. I won't pay sticker price for Sims. Probably I need if I do, I'm going to back him up with Sessa and then Warren. Talking to Clay Link earlier today on Sirius XM, he's a big Sessa guy. But, but both Sessa and Warren are good. But I also think the guy that leads the Reds and saves might not be on the roster right now. I think it might be a little bit like last year, uh, whereas Heath Hembry and Michael Givens that led the Reds and saves last year. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Did you know that Heath Hembry was the leader in saves last year? Yeah, they tied. Uh, and Hembry Hembry got released in August. That's how bad it was. And he pitched well uh, for the Mets when he when he came over. Yeah, he, he pitched well for the Reds for a month and a half, and then he just got lit up and. Speaking of a reliever who pitched well for like a good chunk of the season was Lou Trevino kind of came out of nowhere. I was a big Jake Mm -hmm. Diekman fan coming into the season for Oakland last year and Trevino kind of 
uh, he just surpassed him. I mean, he just beat him out for the job and ran away with it for, you know, the great majority of the summer. I know A's fans will remember the three weeks when he was the worst, literally the worst pitcher on the planet and cost them a chance at the postseason. Um, and, you know, that might be stuck in their minds. We always right. discount, we discount Oakland every year. We talk about how bad their lineup is. They have no, they've got no one with a name in their lineup, you know, and, and we discount every player on their team in every, I don't know why this is. We just forget that Oakland somehow finds that sixth year minor league guy you know, the minor league free agent that's going to bat six in their lineup and, and, you know, and drive in 85 runs and they just keep churning their roster and they do such a good job of that. They're seem like they're always in contention and they're not going to spend money at, at the back end of their bullpen. They're not going to bring in, you know, any of these, any of the guys who are out there not trading for Kimbrell. They're not going to go get Kenley Jansen. And there's really, if you just take a look at the Oakland bullpen, there's really not much competition for Lou Trevino's job. I know he's like the most boring disgusting name here in this relief pitching <laughs> thing but you're talking um you know we can PGA, get more disgusting we can get dirtier we can get more dirty <laughs> but uh, 250 is adp is in tgfbi and 238 in the in dcs over the last month so so when we get to pick 250 in about may uh i'll be all <laughs> over that but uh but he I, is a, he is a guy super he's late a target I, you yeah he's suggest. a super late target super yeah. late uh trevino or uh joe barlow who do you got yeah, uh, I, I, I don't trust. I, I don't trust Joe Barlow. He, he did not get anyone to swing and miss. I think he kind of just fell into the job uh, when they moved when they shipped Kennedy off, and they needed to have someone close. He just happened to be the guy. Texas is not that team where they're going to uh, just kind of throw away this season. So I think Texas makes a move to get a guy. I think they probably have their sights set on Kenley. I don't mm-hmm. know that they can get Kenley there. So it might be somebody else. Uh, so you know, a return of Ian Kennedy. Uh, a Brad Boxberger type, somebody who has some kind of, you know, ninth inning experience. Um, I don't know that they can make a trade for Craig Kimbrell, but that kind of makes sense too. Uh, they've already shown that they want to go for it. They've got the new stadium. They want to fill it and, um, and they're not afraid to, to spend some money at that position. So um, as good as Joe Barlow was collecting saves for those who like Greg Jewett, who, you know, snagged him up for pennies on the dollar down the stretch last year in all of his leagues. Um, doesn't have the profile of of a closer for me. Yeah, um, I'm gr- yeah, I'm a little loyal to him because he was so good in September and that helped me win labor, so uh, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I I hear you on that. And there's they could resign Ian Kennedy himself again. It doesn't even have to be a type. It could be him. Uh, and then they could trade him to the Phillies again. It would be fun and close that circle. Uh, but that would require Canable to get hurt or something. I'm not rooting for that because I might be rooting for Canable. So we'll see about that. Okay. My uh, turn to throw one more at you, Jeff, my turn to throw one more at you. What is going to happen with the Chicago Cubs? Okay, is good. It, I'm glad you didn't ask me that one. Cause I'm going to, or the one I was going to ask you. So that's good. Um, is it Rowan wick? Is it, I'm going to go Jason Collette here on you and say Cody Hoyer. Okay. But okay. I don't feel too strong about it. I, I think it's also going to be an undeclared closer situation. Uh, yeah. That's the way they kind of played it with David Ross did last year. I think it'll be multiple guys, but I think those are the two most likely to get chances. But, but isn't that really the confident. worst? Isn't that the worst situation possible for fantasy? We talk about not chasing last week's saves when you don't have a clear uh, linear path to that save. You you are often chasing last week's saves. And when you put Rowan Wick in your lineup because he had two saves last week, it'll be mm-hmm. Cody Hoyer who gets the first save of the week right? B- without without fail. And so those are the situations that you try to avoid. When we talk about, you know, you never want to avoid, you never want to bl- cross anyone off at any, at, 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 you know, any cost or whatever right. in your drafts. But you can look at, you can highlight situations where you say, I'm never, even if I, even if I 
get it right 50% of the time, it's not going to be helpful because the other 50% of the time I'm, I'm wasting away this half of the 17 saves for, for Rowan Wick, Cody Hoyer. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple more challenge situations, but first a quick note from our fr- friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. No digging for Rowan Wick or Cody Hoyer here. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free RotoWire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com/slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Roto-Wire subscription. It's just that simple. Also, we got a quick note from our friends in the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And that is our quick note. Thanks to the folks at uh, Blue Wire. Thanks to the folks at Thrive. Jeff Erickson here with Aaron Pagliaro. Uh, Aaron, you can find his work at, of course, the Reliever Recon podcast and, and, and the Patreon that they have. There are a lot of work. It's not just a podcast. It's a lot of content as well. Uh, Black Book. Uh, our friend Joe Pisapia runs the Black Book, and uh, Aaron does a lot of great work there. Metsmerized, Fancy Pros, Betting Pros. I think we got it all there. And follow him on Twitter, at Fantasy Triage. So uh, lots of different ways to get access to Aaron's insights. My love, My wife loves when I'm on Twitter, like, at nine o'clock at night, she's falling asleep on the couch. I'm like, I got to answer this question. This guy really wants to know who's going to be the closer in Oakland. 
dude, nine o'clock at night for me out here and out West, that's like still, sun, it's not even right. sundown yet, but okay. We got a lot of other job battles and it's so annoying. Cause they're, you know, we got a lot of uh, lack of clarity. That's why you're seeing all these closers get pushed up, especially in draft and holds. Boston's projected to win a ton of games, but we don't know who's going to close from. I'm putting you on the spot right now, Aaron, who's closing. Oh man. I thought I was going to get off the show without having to go through Boston. Yeah. Um, Boy, Everything always good, goes through Boston. <laughs> how good was Matt Barnes last year at the, at, at the start? He was uh, at the All-Star break. You were like, wow, yeah. I drafted Matt Barnes in the in the 100s, and I got you know a top-five closer, and this is the greatest thing ever. And then something just went horribly wrong for him. He couldn't get he couldn't get anybody out. He did, got left off playoff rosters, and and he just looked like he, he couldn't, hold, couldn't keep it together. They gave him a bunch of money, which yeah. I know isn't important in Boston. It's not important in Boston because they, they are one of the teams that will go over that threshold and will spend. So they've already proven that. So I don't think the money is that much of a factor when it comes to Barnes, either getting the job or getting the job back uh, that he lost. Um, the, the interesting name to me in this situ- in this whole situation is obviously Garrett Whitlock. And I think that's an interesting yeah. name for, for everybody. Uh, he was so good out of the bullpen and Boston went out, man, and they kind of muddied up their starting rotation, right? They signed a bunch of guys who are probably only four or five inning pitchers or piggyback start types of guys. Um, uh, they, you know, old veterans who got 80, 80 innings or 80 pitches per, per start in them. And um, you wonder if, if they need Whitlock to be in their rotation more than they need Whitlock to be that ninth inning guy. And you wonder if the, if the organization believes that, um, giving give let's give Matt Barnes another run at it and see if he can put a whole season together. Matt Barnes is going at definitely after Whitlock. He's going in the two uh, forties or so now. And um, I, I'm not saying run out and get your shares of Matt Barnes, but I am saying that it's such a, it's such an, uh, uh, a turbulent situation in Boston right now that it's, I can I can support getting the guy who had at least a good couple months as their closer last year, who's going to be returning to their team. Since February first, Whitlock two forty four, Barnes is more around two eighty six. So there, there you go. go, like forty picks ahead of there. Get the discount here, um, and it's such an important job too. Uh, it's an important team. They're they're going to win a lot of games. You may you know some might be blowouts. That might be an issue that cuts down save chances. Kind of like the Houston problem last year, where Presley was great, just didn't get a ton of save chances because they weren't they weren't close. Uh, but uh, so it goes. Aaron, for the rest, are you ready to do some lightning round? I'm going to give yeah, you let's like do it. Let's thirty do it. seconds per these remaining teams. We're going to go in reverse alphabetical order because I don't want to start with Baltimore, Washington. Give me your take on the Washington Nationals. Tanner Rainey has the best skills. Kyle Finnegan did the best job last season. Um, count me in on Kyle Finnegan over Tanner Rainey. All right. Toronto, Jordan Romano, is he safe? Yeah, he's he's safer than most. He's not quite in the lock him in and, and count him as the guy who's going to get you 30 saves, but uh, you can count him to have a pretty long leash to start the year. The NL version of the Red Sox is San Diego. You know, <laughs> they have like five guys that could theoretically close or they could sign Kenley or what? What, what are they going to do? Um, the San Diego beat reporters got this completely wrong last year. And of course, Mark Melanson went on to lead the league in saves. And, uh, this year, uh, most of the reports have, um, just, they have like Drew Pomeranz slot, slot in there. No one's drafting Drew Pomeranz. Uh, you know, we, we've gone through the Emilio Pagan stage twice, uh, twice. This guy at least did. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, who knows what Robert Suarez is coming over from Japan. Uh, I think that San Diego is the uh, obvious trade partner for Craig Kimbrell. 
And if they really are going to go uh, after it this season, then um, then I think their closer is not on the roster currently. So I'm not. I'm I'm pretty much avoiding all San Diego relievers at cost. Roster resource had Pierce Johnson for a while. Pierce I don't Johnson, know if they still do. Uh, I like Suarez just a little bit. I'd like to see more swing and miss. But I also we were talking with Clay Link about this that in Japan maybe they encourage a little bit more pitch to contact too. So sure. it's hard not to buy. You know, completely buy into that. Pittsburgh, are you paying for David Bednar? Uh, yes. Um, and, and these are kind of types of situations. The Pittsburgh situation is interesting. It's a way it's a, if you want to piggyback relief pitchers, uh, we talked about how, um, Chicago, you were never going to know which week is going to be uh Hoyer versus wick. But I think in Pittsburgh, it's going to be very clear. I think if Stratton is the closer, he's going to be the closer. And I think if Bednar is the closer, he's going to be the closer. And there is some value in knowing that the manager is going to stick with one of these guys. Um, and, for me, get the guy with the better skills, and that's Bednar. Yeah, and you can, like you said, you can get them both. Uh, you may not want to get them both in TGFBI because you only have 30 rounds, but Stratton's free. He's in the 500s, mm-hmm. so you, you can get him pretty easily there. Um, we talked Oakland. We talked uh, yeah, Minnesota Twins. There's another one there. Taylor Rogers, good skills, but third in the team in saves last year. Are, are you on his train, or are you going to go late? Maybe with Alcala or something like that. What are you, what are you looking at for the uh, Twins? Alcala is a favorite of pretty much every person who breaks down relief pitching uh, for mm-hmm. a hobby or a living, uh, including us at Reliever Recon. Uh, Taylor Rogers' skills are something that just pop, they pop off the page. If you ever look at underlying stats, uh, Taylor Rogers appears in every single one of those marks that you really want to have in a relief pitcher. Uh, I can't trust Minnesota to keep him on the team for the whole year. Uh, I think his cost is where we at somewhere around the one fifties uh, of late. Uh, that's probably just a little too high. That's, that's in the, um, that's in the Trinan Barlow kind of 200 actually. Oh, 200. Okay. Well, 200. Now yeah. we're talking. Now we're yeah. talking. Now you got yourself uh, a stew. All right. Now, now, yeah, now, now, now you have a guy who you can take a chance on. And again, this is, this is not your first relief pitcher off the board. This, he cannot be the guy that you think he's not going to get you 25 saves. If you can lower your expectations and, uh, and get 16 out of him, be happy with that. Taylor Rogers or David Bednar? Uh, Taylor Rogers. All right. Very good. I like it there. 200. Uh, I mean, yeah. All right. All right. Very good. Um, let's go on to Miami. What in the name of Brandon Kinsler are the Marlins going to be doing this year? Closer's not on the team yet, Jeff. Um, we uh, okay. we we've we've uh, fleeced our sources, um, and we don't we don't have any uh, specific names. But um, Dylan Flora will be will not be the guy. Anthony Bender will not be the guy. The guy's not on the team yet. Um, and uh, whoever whomever that is, uh, that and we're talking the same type of guys we talked about earlier: Ian Kennedy's, Brad Boxbergers, these types of guys. Alex Colomay. Ugh. Guys who have uh, closer experience, uh, I think that's something that Miami will do and uh, and move these guys back into uh, into more of fluid roles in their bullpen, and it's just going to be a mess. Um, so we're, we're going to avoid Miami. All right, all right. So uh, that's I it kind of pulled, poured some cold water on my Anthony Bender shares, but that's okay. Um, I like him. I like his skills, but yeah, they, Manningly does like his veterans, and then likes to be able to flip flip them to at the trade deadline. Who knows with Jeter leaving? It's a really weird situation there. Yeah, I, I you know, I mean, that was, boy, does Derek Jeter do anything wrong? Has he ever done anything wrong in his life? You know, the players are Doesn't out go here. left very well. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. There you go. The play, but the play, you know, the players are out there, st- you know, st- sticking their necks out and they've got, they've got one of their own in an is a high ranking uh, uh, executive position within a team. And Jeter says, I'm, I'm gone. It stands yeah. with this and stands with the players, you know, that that's how I took it. And even as a Mets fan who has been jealous of Derek Jeter my whole life, um, I, I had to tip my cap, tip my cap to him. Yeah. And my, and he probably knew that that stuff was going down, uh, that sure. they're like, they're pulling that, that nonsense and he sold his ownership share too. So I'm with Good you for on him. that. Good for him. Good for him. Indeed. In Detroit, we actually have a named closer, but no one wants to believe it. Uh, are you going to pay retail price on Gregory Soto? And if, if so, are you backing him up or are you avoiding altogether the Detroit relievers? Never watch your closers pitch, Greg. Yes, yes. Right? You Never watch that, your yeah. closers pitch. Uh, <laughs> you can, you can, you can do much worse than than Gregory Soto. Of course, you know, swing and miss. He, you know, uh, I think uh, didn't 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 Clay uh, describe him as fifty cent with a hundred mile hour fastball today on the show? Yes, you did. I think yeah, that yes, was. I did. think that you was that. that was a fantastic, uh, 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 you know, comparison. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Soto, uh, this, he's got all the skills in the world. Uh, I think Detroit is a, a little bit of a better team than they were uh, heading into the season yeah. that, as they are now. Uh, Fulmer is kind of a little bit of a worry, but again, uh, lower your expectations. Set yourself in the teens um, for, for these saves. Because 18 saves, I know this sounds like such a small number, but but I, I if, if you can get your anchor and get 25 and then get another, you know, get 25 to, to 27 out of your anchor and then 16 to 18 out of the next guy, you are going to be way, way in better shape than most of the other teams in your league. Yeah. Just, and, and go look up this, the, the best worst pitch of the year in Gregory Soto too, while you're at it for entertainment value, uh, because it really was pretty amazing how high that pitch went. Colorado, anything, uh, we like, we like Estevez a little bit, um, got, got the role down the stretch and did pretty well with it. Um, doesn't really have the fear of cores in him, uh, pitched, you know, pitched okay to, to some contact without really having any big blowups. So, uh, there's no fear there in that, in him. Uh, I don't know that Colorado is going to win a lot of games. Uh, uh, they're not Arizona. They're not, you know, they're not that bad, but they're not much, they're not much better. They're, they're not a great baseball team. And so, um, if you are, avoiding Mark Melanson because he is only going to get, you know, 20 save ops. Uh, I think Estevez can be somewhere in that, in that range too. So like the skills don't, don't love the team. So I've got a little bias against Estevez. I picked him up in the main last year. Actually was pretty good. Uh, But then on the last day of the season, one save or one win puts me into the money. Instead, he gives up the walk-off homer. So that was uh, rough. Yeah, that was, that was really rough, but uh, this isn't about me. We'll move on. Um, It is kind of about me. But uh, anyways, Baltimore, last team to talk about here. You've been, listen- you've, been- who here? <laughs> you've been listening to the reliever recon podcast. Nate and I saved the worst for last every single episode. And you've yeah. certainly done that. This situation I had, I could not even venture a guess. I think I like Tyler Wells better. Uh, I think that his, that his skills are just slightly ahead of the rest, but man, I mean, I, Throw throw S against the wall and see what sticks. That's what's going to happen in Baltimore. Earlier in the pod, you said the Cardinals aren't going to win 20 games in a row again. The Orioles might lose 20 games in a row they again, it, which means no save ops, let alone saves. So last seven years, uh, last seven years, they've finished in the bottom three of save opportunities in all of baseball consecutively in the yeah. last seven years. That's that's not good. It's, it's the curse of Zach Britton. Uh, you, know, it, you know, if Buck would have brought him in. Everything would have been different. It would have played out completely differently. But uh, 
I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we usually do a breaking news segment, but I don't think we need to do that. We've had, we covered a lot of ground here today. Tell everyone again, Aaron, where you, they can find your work and what you got coming up next. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Fantasy Triage. Uh, come on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash reliever recon, $3, best $3 you ever spend. Greg Jewett of The Athletic puts out his closer charts. He's been doing this for free forever. And uh, that measly little $3 will get you ev- literally everything you need to know for your home leagues. Um, and then so much more. We get so much more content. We've got podcasts. We've got videos from Eric Simulski. Um, We've got, you know, that, like I said, we've got the fruits and the streaming relievers. Yeah, it's just so much relief pitching content that, you know, it's pays for itself in a, in a, in a second. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, and I'm also um, uh, uh, newly uh, joined up with the Metsmerized crew. Finally get a chance to cover my favorite team. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. So uh, nice. Keep an eye out for stuff, stuff going on over there. And of course, we don't want Joe Pisapia to kill That's you. Right. You can also find Aaron on the Black Book as well. Fantasy Black Book, Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2022, uh, Paul Spore. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to forget someone if I don't name everybody. Um, and so uh, you can get that on Amazon right now. All right. Fantastic. Want to thank our sponsor, WinBet. Of course, we want to thank you guys, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we appreciate uh, your patronship. And uh, we got Clay and Todd at you coming tomorrow. Um, so please check it out. Please hit that subscribe button. If you can push everything to your, uh, wherever you get your podcast. We do thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Have yourself a great day.